Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on May 2nd, 2022 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a look at Judge Michelle Childs' confirmation hearing before Senator Lindsey Graham and the Senate Judiciary Committee. We look at what's on tap at the Statehouse this week, the second to last week of session, that is. In business, we look at two big economic indicators and hear from research economist Dr. Joey Von Nessen about our economy. And in medical, we revisit and drill down on a disturbing report about the opioid epidemic that is still raging in our state. And of course, as always, we want to hear from you. That's why we have a voicemail box set up so you guys can give us a call and tell us about what's going on in your daily life, your thoughts about the podcast, any big issues that you are facing. We are here for you at 803-563-7169. Leave us a one, two, three minute long message with your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on. 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is low, according to data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. From April 17th through April 23rd, there were 2,074 cases of COVID-19 and two deaths. This is up 553 cases from the week prior, but deaths are down. Our current percent positive is 5.3%. There are 102 South Carolinians hospitalized with COVID-19, 14 are in intensive care, and five are on ventilators. All those metrics besides the percent positive are down week over week. And currently 54.5% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. Judge Michelle Childs, a South Carolina U.S. federal district judge who was shortlisted for Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer's seat, answered several questions before the Senate Judiciary Committee last week as she auditions for a spot on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals that President Joe Biden nominated her to months ago. Sarah Lindsey Graham, who pushed hard for Childs' nomination to the Supreme Court, lauded praise on Childs following House Majority Whip Jim Clyburn's remarks before the committee. Here's Senator Graham. Congressman Clyburn and I have been talking about this for a very long time. <laughs> uh, and you may have read about it. <laughs> the, the point is that Jim and I, we, we have different political philosophies, but we try to move forward as a state uh, in a positive way, along with Senator Scott and our whole delegation. And I'll be honest with you, Mr. Chairman, uh, Congressman Clyburn called me about the potential of her moving up And as you can tell, I was all in in her moving up. It was up to President Biden as to who to nominate the Supreme Court. But this position that she is being nominated for is consequential. I think she is well qualified. I am a legal conservative. I expect her philosophy to be a bit different from mine. I expect that um, President Biden would nominate somebody different than maybe I would have chosen, but I can say this, that Congressman Clyburn, uh, myself, and I think uh, Senator Scott have a very high opinion of Judge Childs, and this is the type person that would um, do our state well. Childs started off by thanking Graham, Clyburn, her family, and colleagues as she broadly discussed her some 30 years in the legal field, 
which included time at the law firm Nexon Pruitt, time on the state circuit court bench, and then her rise to the federal court bench in 2010, which was the last time she was before the committee following President Barack Obama's nomination of her in 2009. Childs was asked about the importance of diversity in the legal field and her becoming the first black female partner at Nexon Pruitt after working there for eight years. I really thank the firm because they gave me a wonderful opportunity to try cases, to handle very complex matters, um, and supported me with a lot of bar activities and professional opportunities. That gave me the opportunity to have my face seen and not just be a member of the firm, but they actually nurtured me so that I could go on and do bigger and better things. Well, you were the first black woman to become partner. Are there other minority people who are now partners of that large firm? I am very proud to say that I mentored uh, at least three other women over a period of five years to become the first black female partners in other major law firms. I certainly believe that diversity is very important because it allows for differing perspectives, backgrounds, geography, in my case, uh, being from South Carolina to go to a national court. It also offers the opportunity for that public uh, persistence in the uh, confidence in the judicial system with a fair and impartial judiciary. But most importantly to me, it offers the opportunity for inclusion for other people to have opportunities to have wonderful careers in the service of law, being on the judiciary, and a life of public service. I'm proud to say that I've had several clerks go on to the appellate courts, so I believe that that opportunity for inclusion does pre uh, uh, prevail. Childs has dealt with some 5,000 legal matters over her tenure as a judge, and she gave some insight on how she approaches cases, especially as she prepares to transition to an appellate court from a career in trial courts. It is up to us to approach each case very humbly, to make sure that we understand the nature of the dispute, to have a clear understanding of the party's litigation, to research thoroughly and diligently all matters that are before us, and to issue well-articulated and thorough decisions. So I think I say that to say how we approach our job in that regard. We are also on attack well, with respect to judicial security, so we have to act independently. I don't operate with any fear or favor or with respect to any political agendas or personal views as I approach my case. So as we as judges are the face of the judiciary, when we do so, I think that helps us to be better uh, decision makers. We expect a full Judiciary Committee vote on Childs and others next week and then a full Senate confirmation vote in the coming weeks. Next up, you know that we had a pretty in-depth show from Sumter on Saturday that should have given you some idea about what big issues we'll be seeing lawmakers tackle in the last two weeks of session. But here's what we're watching this week in the State House. In the House, lawmakers will finally get on the medical marijuana bill. This tightly written piece of legislation would allow folks with one of a dozen ailments to get prescribed medical marijuana salves, oils, and vapes. It would also create the foundation for an entire medical marijuana industry in the state and make us the 30th state to do so. However, after speaking with some folks close to the matter in the House, the bill's chances are looking pretty slim. In the Senate, leadership has fast-tracked the transgender student-athlete ban bill H-4608. The bill prohibits transgender women from playing on a sports team that doesn't correspond to the sex they were assigned at birth. The bill is applicable for teams from middle school through college. A similar Senate bill, as 531, made it out of the Education Committee, but that's as far as it's gone. The House bill, which passed closely along party lines with some conservative Democrats voting for it, is set for special order in the Senate, which gives it debate priority this week. 
Now, there aren't too many meetings this week. That's because time is running out, calendars are full, and pretty much locked in for the six remaining working days of the regular session that ends May 12th at 5 p.m. Of course, there will be some haggling going on afterwards around the budget and bills that have already made it to conference committee, but we're not there yet, folks. Another thing to watch this week, though, there will be a full Senate Judiciary Committee meeting on Tuesday that we'll be watching. Let's start business off with some economic indicators. Mm. Data. First up, unemployment. Unemployment in the state continues to trend downward. The South Carolina Department of Employment and Workforce recently reported that the state's unemployment rate ticked down to 3.4% in March from 3.5% in February. That's good. <laughs> Do Executive Director Dan Elsey said in a statement that, quote, the number of people employed is 2,303,592. That is 54,239 more South Carolinians working than pre-pandemic, and the unemployment rate inched down to 3.4% in March. However, we expect to see a rise in initial claims this month as problems with the supply chain affect employers like the auto industry. So a little heads up there from Dan Elsey. Now, the biggest job gains were in the leisure and hospitality sector, as well as government, trade, transportation and utilities, construction and manufacturing. A drop of nearly 6,000 jobs, however, was reported in professional and business services. Hmm. Nationwide, a big indicator was released last Thursday, the first quarter gross domestic product number. Uh? Real GDP decreased at an annual rate of 1.4% in the first quarter of 2022, according to the advanced estimate released by the Bureau of Economic Analysis. In the fourth quarter, for just some comparison here, real GDP increased 6.9%. First quarter of 2022, down 1.4%. The BEA said that the decrease in real GDP reflected decreases in private inventory investment, exports, federal government spending, and state and local government spending, while imports, which are a subtraction in the calculation of GDP, increased. Now we'll get a second estimate based on additional data later this month. To tie all this together, I spoke with the University of South Carolina research economist Dr. Joey Von Nessen on This Week in South Carolina. Of course, we did this before the GDP numbers came out. However, Joey... Super smart guy, can talk about our economy anyway. And the focus of our conversation was on the health of our state's economy and the ripple effects of inflation and the Federal Reserve Bank's move to tamp it down. Most South Carolinians are being affected by a reduction in purchasing power that they've seen over the past year. So if we look at the average worker in South Carolina right now, they've lost purchasing power by about 1.5% over the previous 12 months, meaning that inflation has actually been higher than wage growth over the, over the past year. So South Carolinians are feeling it, but there are some sectors that because they've been in such high demand, we actually have seen double digit wage growth. So it's not affecting all South Carolinians, but it's affecting most of them. So if we look at sectors like leisure and hospitality and construction and manufacturing, all three of those have seen double digit wage growth over the last year because of the ongoing labor shortage. But in general, Inflation is having very practical implications for most South Carolinians right now. And Joey, those are uh, sectors that have really bounced back since the pandemic, too. Significantly so, yes. And this recovery has really been broad-based in South Carolina. Most industry sectors have either 
fully recovered or largely recovered from their pandemic-related losses, and, and those three sectors among the top, but especially leisure and hospitality, which has come roaring back in the last six months or so because people are now going out and about. They're resuming their business and, and leisure travel activities. Uh, they're willing to, to go out in public more, more regularly now. And the tourism sector has seen one of the best, its best years in in the last decade, just in the last 12 months. So the South Carolina economy right now firing on all cylinders. But again, inflation being this this looming threat as we move into the summer. Yeah, especially before it affects this growth that we're talking about, because we are still humming along in the economy here. But you are still a little bit worried about how inflation could essentially chip away at that. Exactly. If we if we look forward, there's a lot of lot of talk right now about a recession later in 2022 and how that risk is is elevated. And I think there is a there is some truth to that. But we'll learn more as we move forward in, in the coming weeks. I think as we're we're really trying to assess the probability of recession, two things to keep in mind. Number one, we're going to get the first estimate for GDP growth for the first quarter of 2022. So depending on how that looks, that will give us some impression of so far this year, how the economy is weathering this this high rate of inflation. Do we see weak growth? Is it already affecting consumer spending and other facets of the economy or is it not? So we'll get some insight there. And then secondly, how aggressive is Jay Powell at the Federal Reserve going to be in terms of raising rates? Because the more aggressive he becomes, the higher rates go, the faster they increase, uh, that's going to taper demand. And the Fed is walking a fine line, trying to taper demand to pull down inflation, but not pull down demand so much that it puts us into a recession. So those are two key factors to watch. And we can see how much wiggle room the Federal Reserve actually has by looking at a very practical economic metric, the job openings rate, because it has been uniquely high, higher than we've seen it in the last 20 years since the pandemic began, and it is significantly higher than what we would normally expect given the current unemployment rate in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And so we may see that job openings rate come back down, but if it gets below where we would normally expect it to be given this level of unemployment, that's when we begin to get concerned about, about layoff activity and potentially a higher risk for recession. What should we be watching going forward now? What are you watching for? So a couple of metrics. Number one, we want to be looking at GDP growth for the first quarter of 2022. That will give us some insight as to whether inflation is already having an effect on the U.S. economy in terms of a significant effect for a pullback in demand or not. And then secondly, as we look towards the summer, all eyes are going to be on the Fed because as they raise rates, they have a little bit of wiggle room to raise rates, pull back demand and not lead to a recession or not lead to any layoff activity. And so if they can successfully do that, then we should be in pretty good shape through the rest of this year, because in general, South Carolina's economy is doing very well. So those are the two elements to be looking for as we move forward. There's always more Twisk and other great SCETV content on youtube.com slash South Carolina ETV. You can also catch us on the air Fridays at 7.30 p.m. and Sundays at 1.30 p.m. on SCETV channels statewide. We have a short medical section for you, and it focuses on the ongoing opioid epidemic in our state.
You may remember a few weeks ago when I informed you about a new report from DHEC that found overdose deaths in the state jumped by nearly 60% in 2020. I spoke with Sarah Goldsby, Director of the Department of Alcohol and Other Drug Abuse Services, about this report and more on This Week in South Carolina. You know, as always, when we look at those numbers, we know every day that those numbers are people. And, the, you know, so they represent the lives, the, the families that have been impacted. Um, and so it, it really is a heavy number to, to see. And unfortunately, with the week-to-week trends that we've been watching, um, as the opioid emergency response team looks at uh, incidents of responses to overdoses, um, and how it's happening across the state in as real time as possible, um, we unfortunately sort of saw this coming or, or predicted that the numbers would be this bad. The isolation and the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic has certainly um, had people turning to misuse of alcohol and drugs to cope with the negative feelings and uh, all of the, the experience of, of the pandemic, certainly. But also what we've seen is an increase in the potency, the availability, and the volume of illicit fentanyl coming into this state. Um, Perhaps some of the most deadly substances we've ever seen uh, in the United States and in South Carolina with an unpredictable presence in the street drugs that that are currently out there. And so um, it's really just a, a tremendous shift in the opioid pandemic as we've known it. Sarah, uh, South Carolina saw a steady increase of drug overdose deaths since 2013, really when everything started to pick up, unfortunately, in the state and the country. Uh, But DHEC's annual report found that from 2018 to 2019, overdose deaths only increased by 2.5%. So it seemed like things were slowing down before the pandemic, maybe stabilizing because some of the measures that have been put in place over time. So do you think that these numbers right now, this 59% jump from 2019 to 2020 is a bit of an outlier? Do you think things will stabilize maybe in the future? Or how do, you, how do you predict this going forward? Well, I, I just want to say I appreciate that you note the 2018 to 2019 decrease because that less than 3% change was below the national average of the 5% increase that we saw that year. And so exactly what you said is true. The tremendous work that we had been doing was paying off and we were seeing a change in the opioid crisis. That being said, I think going forward, because of the deadly nature of the substances that we're seeing now, um, the fentanyl that's being laced in cocaine, the fentanyl that's being laced in methamphetamine, the prescription pill lookalikes that are not FDA approved or or manufactured in the United States, but in fact, illicitly made um, and and sometimes pure fentanyl uh, with these new products and, and the potency of these products being so widely available right now. Unfortunately, um, I I don't uh, think that we are um, out of the woods yet. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of work to do in in, in new ways because of the nature of the the, uh, crisis changing with that substance. And uh, along those lines, do you think that a new generation of of users and abusers has cropped up because of the pandemic? I mean, you were talking earlier about even what the CDC is predicting for 2021 as well. I think during the pandemic, people who never would have otherwise used drugs or alcohol or increased their use of alcohol or even other drugs, um, we saw that happen. And I think even even with alcohol and other substances, we have yet to see folks who are hurting now turn to help. So it's hard to predict how many people are out there currently hurting. Um, The unfortunate nature of 
of the, the substances, as I have said, that are out there is that they are deadly. And so any use can result in an overdose and can result in death, which is why at this time, intervention services and prevention services are so critical and in informing and educating the public about the potency of the substances that they might ingest. Don't you guys just love that this week in South Carolina is on the air and we can just double dip? Mm. So insightful. But there's so much good stuff on there. That's why I have to share it over and over in case you don't catch the show. But Sarah also pointed out some great websites to check out. If you or someone you know is going through this situation, one of them is JustPlainKillers.com and the other is EmbraceRecoverySC.com. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. That's right, we're talking about life during the pandemic, and we want to hear your stories as well. Tell us what's going on in your world. It's May. We made it, folks. It's May. We made it. You know what that means? It means you have to give us a call and tell us what's going on. That's a rule. In May. That's in the contract you signed. 803-563-7169. It is in the fine print. If you do listen to us and subscribe, you will note that you are under obligation to call it, us. It's a little gotcha. It is. It's a little gotcha. It's, but you know, we're slowly billing you. It's for the it's for the best. You know, it's for the best. We're just thinking about what's best for you. <laughs> we got you a little bit. Reverse Patreon. <laughs> little, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we have access to your Apple ID. Yeah, you should have read that stuff. It's too late. It's too late. So just, you know, to waive it all, just give us a call. It's real easy. And <laughs> we're open. Toll free. 24-7. 365. 24 6, actually. Six? Yeah. Ooh. We uh, to keep prices low. We're... Tuesdays? <laughs> Ooh, okay. Okay. I got it. I get it. Anyway. Gavin, uh, we got a great call. <laughs> I gotta say we got a great call. Uh, in the industry we call this a heater. Oh. Okay. More industry lingo. Yeah, this is insider talk, okay? If you don't get the jargon, then uh you can see yourself out, okay? <laughs> a heater. This is a heater. <laughs> Okay, Gavin and I say that all the time to each other, so uh, this is just a real peek behind the curtain. Anyway, Gavin. <laughs> play, play that heater. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir, Gavin, sir. Hey, South Carolina lead. This is Lori from the middle of the state, an elementary school teacher. I'm a longtime listener and hmm, third or fourth time caller. It's been a while, though. I wanted to touch base on some of the subjects you guys have been talking about. Number one, Gavin, vacations are so important. I agree with you. We've got it travel trailer that means like a home on wheels and we visit all the state parks so for spring break we went to Edisto Island I don't know if you've ever been there or not but you've got the marsh on one side of the campground got the beach on the other side of the campground it is absolutely gorgeous we had a fantastic week silly story though did you know that there are a bunch of raccoons on the island and we're sitting around the campfire on our very last night with our two dogs and all of a sudden this really large raccoon is in the tree and he jumps down and lands in the marsh, and I think you probably need to Google the types of noises that raccoons make when they're angry, because we all ran. <laughs> we ran straight for our camper, dogs included. It's just just a funny story there. And AT, I don't understand why you wouldn't buy all that stuff for your friends that wanted master's wear. Don't you know that we're in the South, and that any time you have anything on and you're in the grocery store, it's like a great conversation starter? Mm-hmm. It is. Sauce. I'm just going to touch base on this real quick. The sauce that my boys go for is A1. Of course, it's the most expensive condiment that they sell at the grocery store. And when you put it on something, all you taste is A1. Ooh, I don't get it. And lastly, I'm going to touch base on biscuits and scones. There is another thing, another pastry that is out there that you might not have considered. 
It comes in a very colorful cardboard box. It's wrapped inside foil. And if you pop it in the toaster and you slightly brown it, and then when you take it out, ooh, caution, be very careful. It could burn your lips. comes in a variety of flavors. Sherry is my favorite. Don't tell too many people because then the shelves will be empty. Lastly, how about a new topic? How about the most popular, versatile vegetable there is? Potatoes. There are so many varieties of potatoes. We could probably talk about this for the rest of the year. Personally, I like twice-baked potatoes and probably like a Greek potato salad. All right, boys. I'll tell you what. You two are the most wittiest, think-on-your-feet, funniest comedians for a podcast and a serious news situation that I have ever encountered. Good work on both the newscast side and the comedic side. All right. Take care, boys. Bye. Lori, thanks for calling us back. We love a repeat caller and a vacation stand. We're always <laughs> joking about vacation, but I swear I agree with you. I mean, oh my God, you got to get away. It just changes your perception on things and you come oh, back refreshed. Everything's different over there. Well, and you know, I've just, like I've always name dropped the Europeans. You know, they got it right. You got the time, take the time. You know, no one's coming to give you the break. You find your own breaks, you do it, you take it. On your deathbed, you're never going to say, I wish I worked more. No, precisely. Exactly. Um, I love Edisto Island. Go down there a good bit during the summertime. Friend Kate's family has a house down there. And, oh, it's, I think it's one of the most beautiful places in the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to maybe look up some raccoon noises so we can hear that wild uh, scene that she is. I could, I could drop some raccoon noises in right here. Yeah. You want to react to some? Wow! Whoa! Whoa! Okay. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, that free, that's pretty freaky in the middle of the night when you're trying to wind down. Ooh. And all of a sudden, <laughs> dogs are barking, raccoons are making noise. Mm. The A1 sauce take, though. That's, that's A1, I, it's very totally it's close to ranch, right? if you ask me. Yeah. So you see, you see why I called this one a heater? This one had it, this one had it all. And the Pop-Tart snark at the end? Pop-Tart, oh, yeah. We got it, Lori. Uh, it's, okay, it's okay. Pop-Tarts are all right. Uh, they serve a purpose. They do. I mean, you get them. But, uh, Grab and go. Let's get on to the topic she brought us here. Potatoes. Tater. Taters. Potato, potato. I mean, I'm a big Lord of the Rings guy. Potatoes. Put them in a stew, you know? Oh, stew. Potato stew. But anyway, Gavin. Talking to an Irishman here. Let, let's get, let's get, let's get let's into get... what kind of potatoes do we love here, okay? Because Caitlin and I, uh, one of the tenets of our relationship is mm. we both do not like mashed potatoes. Interesting. I don't like them. I can I can do them. I, can, I love a, them. It's They're a great. texture thing. It's like a glop. It's like people in coconut. It's the texture. I don't like coconut either. Look at that. A twofer. Who would have thought? <laughs> it's just it's, <laughs> it's just a tropical texture. potato. <laughs> it's a tropical potato. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the types of potatoes I do like, I really love a hash Listen brown. Listen up, sharp-eared listeners. Love, love, a, love a hash brown. Love a hash brown. Love a tater tot. Yes. Love a tater tot. Tater tots or fries? Probably tots to be, I mean, to say so. People say that all the time. uh, French fries, just too much for me. uh, A a better question, Gavin. I'm not going to tell you how to do your job. You just did. But but a better question for uh, Mr. Journalist over here to ask. Big time Mr. Journalist (laughs) over here. (laughs) Would be tater tot or curly fry. Oh. That's a tough question. And it depends on my mood. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm. Team fries over tots, you know, from the get-go. I love the novelty of the top, but the versatility of the fry is just, you just can't beat it. Now, I, I do not like a crinkle fry that much. I, but uh, that's, what, that's what I was going to say, though, because with fries, you can get bad fries. Yeah. You're never going to get a bad tot. Uh, 
Well, this I think we've had this debate before. I remember I asked Charles Bierbauer about this one time, and he said, "What's a tater tot?" And we were all oh, just taken aback. He probably painful. knows, but like it was oh, he's playing the coy. most bougie thing I've ever heard someone say <laughs> before. <laughs> What's a tater tot? <laughs> oh, I I say hash browns and tater tots. Oh yeah, home fries too. I th- home fries are Mama great. Mia. When and I'm talking Waffle House for mm. home fries, you know, like that's the shredded kind of home fries, mm-hmm. hash browns. Hash brown, Those are yeah. my favorites. But the best, I think, potato product there is, is probably, and I'm a man, I'm a man who doesn't like fast food, but McDonald's hash brown is the greatest thing ever created, right? That is true. (laughs) And, you know, we're talking about biscuits, too. I mean, you get that sausage egg and cheese biscuit with that hash brown. brown I mean, yeah. That is what America is in a bag right there, It's folks. the best, yeah. And I know it's in the morning, but if you just wash that down with a nice, large, ice-cold Coke, oof. The, especially the sharp, sharp <laughs> oh, McDonald's, McDonald's Coke. Coke. One more thing. One I know, more thing. I know we've been running long, and I'm sorry about that. It's but okay. I do want to point out on the record here, because we didn't get it documented in Sumter, is mm. that Meg Kennard did put on Crocs. Crocs, yes. She has worn Crocs, and I think she's probably beautiful. feeling a bunch of uh, complex emotions about how comfortable it was, but how how much she had um, uh, gone against her own It was, I, I was capturing that moment. You presented her with your camo Crocs out of a, <laughs> a, like a Halliburton-like case. Yes, it was like the nuclear football. And the emotion, just the sheer happiness and emotion <laughs> just poured out of Meg and she really had no choice but to take off her Louboutins and put on yes, correct. that foamy little shoe. A slice of heaven. <laughs> uh, anyway, Gavin, uh, it was Meg, call in, let us know how you feel. But anyway, Meg, let us know if you've washed your feet and if you had any I bet she has. I bet, those, I bet those piggies are yeah. still dirty. Anyway, Gavin, <laughs> say goodbye to these people. Adios, folks. Thanks again for calling Lori. Do like Lori. Give us a call, 803-563-7169. We love to hear from you guys. All the hot takes, too. We're here for it. That's what we're here for. We love talking to you guys. You can also show us your appreciation by leaving us an iTunes review on Apple iTunes. And you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Are you saying she doesn't have range? No, I'm saying of course her songs can be car commercials. Don't get me wrong.